0: Everybody. Happy 2013. Welcome to Babs Buzz. I'm determined. I'm absolutely bound and determined to make 2013. I'm going to turn 13 into a lucky number. How about that? Is everybody with me? Give me a hoorah. Uh, if you remember last year, the, uh, the last show that Michael and I did together, by the way, hi, Michael. And hi, Chris. Do You know, one of the books that I liked very much was a book called The Dip, and I hadn't read the entire book yet. Now, I've, I've since read the book, and I'm going to recommend it again. 2012 was extremely rough for show business in general, our company, and a couple other companies, uh, heads of companies that I talk to. For me, the money line in the dip is as follows, and I quote, the dip is the long stretch between the beginner's luck and real accomplishment, close quote. You guys didn't know me. Uh, I, I started actually to get to know you guys a couple of years ago, but I started around 2008, I would say, full-time. I mean, pedal to the metal, hustle in the agency, branding, et cetera. And I got very lucky, happily and unhappily. That's a 50-50 split for those of you in Rio, Linda. I got very lucky right out of the gate. I sold a picture right away. It was shot right away. It wasn't distributed, but my actor my uh, my actor, my client got a paycheck, and my agency was rejoicing. It was a very small little film called Christmas Mail at the same time, I got a very large dollar option for another script which i'm I'm not at liberty to mention right now because it's in turnaround, and we're about to renegotiate the deal actually at the end of February, and I don't know what I don't know about it but and i by the way, little footnote here, kids. I tell you as much as I can when I can. I actually had an a, a, an associate in this industry say to me, you're so small and you're so little and you're so vague and you get that wiggle room because you're so small and you're so little and you're so vague. You know what? That That's probably true, but we do not make we, – we our efforts, a lot of what we do doesn't show up on any professional radar because it's just paychecks for our clients. I mean, there's things that are happening – all over the place for our clients that just simply do not warrant a variety release or a home, a a a a, 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 a very big home interview where you send the, the the cameras out to the client's house and you know they all of a sudden they're nobody and they end up with a six-figure um, script. Oh, from my mouth to God's ears, praise God! That would be lovely, but we, we don't deal in that kind of um, altitude all the time. We do, however, deal in that kind of altitude. And the person who was speaking to me in, in this very condescending way was a very, one of these old-time Hollywood treasures. I mean, the guy was just bright. and um, every, The challenge with listening to someone like that that's from old-school Hollywood is if, if, if you're not careful – They get so wrapped up in reciting their resume to you. You forget the point of the phone call, which is to make more business and new business right now. So when I was dealing with this particular person, it was a challenge because I had to be respectful because he had these wonderful tentacles and he obviously could help me. But he really, all he wanted to do was hear himself talk. And so weeding through that, you know, I finally said, you know what? Hey, man, I got a little bit of dignity here. This is where we're going to go with this. And if we can get the money for this, we're going to do it. And if it doesn't, my client can live with that. So this business, be careful what you wish for, is what I'm saying, because it can be extremely challenging. I had another writer say to me, gee, you know, I walked away from that deal. Was that the right thing? I said, are you sleeping? And they said, yes, Said that it was the right thing to do. The money quote from Seth Gobin, I actually got this for you guys. He is the author of The Dip, Seth Gobin, G-O-B-I-N. Explain to him what I do and how I do it. His book really is about sort of your ABC guide to business and how to survive the desert of your business life. Um, when I spoke to him, I spoke to him by email, of course, and he was kind enough to send me an amazing quote. Actually, I may copy and paste this and send this to you, Michael, in case you want to um, post it. Let me just do that real quick for you. The guy, first of all, the fact that he even took time for me was very nice. So I will read to you the quote from Seth Gobin. He says, The movie business is not reality. It's a bizarre casino with terrible odds and pretending that you can win regularly is foolish. Play if you want, but don't blame yourself for the silly outcomes. That is Michael and I were talking about the tone of today's show. And a lot of the today's show at first blush, if you listen to it once, Probably will sound just a teeny bit negative, but that's not what we're doing here. We're kind of in an empire strikes back mode. We're gonna find out who's who who is Luke's father, you know. Uh twenty twelve, every single deal that I had going, five thousand dollar option, twenty-five thousand dollar purchase, five thousand dollar book adaptation down payment, one thousand dollar this, a hundred dollars that, everything that I had, sans maybe three projects, all took a dump. Oh, my. Oh, my. How do I get ignited? How do I get excited? How do I keep my clients from jumping off a cliff when nobody's getting a paycheck? I cannot do that for them. They have to do that for them. But sometimes I can help. Sometimes I actually do. We'll reignite another relationship. I'll flip the Rolodex and throw the dice. I'll, I'll I'll pick up the phone and call somebody that owes me a favor, any number of things. In the end, however, it's all about surviving the dip, the long stretch between beginner's luck and real accomplishment. So when I started in this business, I was lucky. And I continued to be lucky until the the pretty much the economy took a dump in 2010. And then all bets were off. The good news is it doesn't matter really because, and this is what Michael and I were talking about, it, it's so cliche, but it's so true that if you are not enjoying this journey, that is what you are doing. You have completely missed the point. You know, money, money talks and the rest looks like a duck. Um, so here we go. Some good stuff that happened. You all know about bread, of course. Uh, Pia, yay. She's, she's just my emerald. The woman is just delish. Dina, Dina girl, she's doing great. She's, uh, she did a short, uh, Dina McKinnon uh, did a short deal we wrote it for her we waived our commission she sent much white chocolate she's a very good girl uh so congrats dina on um the short that they're shooting the box you could check her out on facebook there's pictures there i'm sure you will know that please uh give her your support the simply scripts community is probably one of the things that through the desert is the actually probably one of the few non-mirages that i deal with so thank you guys um i gotta get a couple of things out of my jammies so I'm going to do this really right now. I'm so pissed that wedding band, the TV show on TBS was canceled. Oh, I'm so irritated. I can't even tell you. Shame on you, TBS, for leaving Cougartown on television and taking wedding band off. I'm a huge fan of that show. It really gave me, I mean, I got my ayahs out every Saturday night. Really uh, not, not happy about that. I'm very annoyed. Co- uh, something else. I'm going to tell you the story of the word zhuzh because I was there. When this, when this particular word was originated. And I'll get to another word later. But I knew a gorgeous heavy metal drummer by the name of Michael Vane. Very thin, beautiful, long blonde hair, tatted to death. I mean, he was tatted up before tats were, people could even spell tattoo. Michael Vane's a great drummer. He's one of those heavy metal drummers, you know, with the double bass drums and two feet, all that. You get the picture. Michael Vane. I told him I'd never seen a horror movie, and he, he wanted to, me to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. He's platonic friend, kids. Don't get me in the gutter, okay? He's just a friend. So we're sitting in his house, and he says, you know, you should really watch Nightmare on Elm Street. as the classic horror to get acquainted with horror because it's not really horror, but it is. So I watch it, and he's poking around. He puts the video, and he's poking around. He's like, I can't find my zhuzh. And I said, what the hell is a zhuzh? He says, my remote, my remote. Where'd you get the word zhuzh from? He said, Well, when you turn the TV on, you hear that sound that goes, zhuzh, right? <laughs> no, this is it. This is true. I said, Did you make that word up? He said, Yes, I did. Fast forward to the 21st century, and I'm in LA, and I'm in the bar waiting to have a meeting with not one, not two, but five different um, studio and a production executives. So I'm, you know, having my coffee and I'm nursing a burger to death. And, um, on TV, the chick on Entertainment Tonight or Entertainment News or TMZ, whatever the hell it was. She says, you know, she had her hair done and when she did it, she really gave it this really great juj. And I did a double take because I thought how powerful words are, right? Cause I mean, you, the reason why I'm bringing it up, obviously, is because we deal in the, in the, in the, the economy of words and wordsmithing. How extraordinary that I hear this word in the eighties, in the mid eighties, by the way, not even their late eighties, mid eighties and now it's on tmz so my question for the simply scripts community is i'm going to give a dollar and i'm going to autograph it's going to be one dollar towards your first million if you can spell so go for it put it on put it on the thread so those are the things i got out of my jammies um in getting to know dina Dina will not mind that I use her as an example. By the way, I've mentioned her in the past, but it was important because she sent me a script that actually is pretty good. But the act, the second act, really needed a lot of work. I mean, it just it had no oxygen. So I'm going to re remind you guys about making the momentum work. The book um, How to Make a Good Script, great by Seeger. When your act two suffers, Seeger will get your. Second act rocked up. I'm going to be teaching again in March. I don't know if if any of you are in Sacramento in the area, but I teach one class for one day. It is so much fun. We have a ball. You'll be writing and working and having a great time. By the time you leave, and I'm right there to, you know, help with questions for the students and everything. It's really a gas. It's very aerobic. Um, So if you're act two, act twos are a bitch because, and look at that. I said the H word and the B word. all in one show, 2013. So this year. I'm going to do what George Costanza did. I'm going to do more of the opposite. Um, but it doesn't give me give you a reason to use potty mouth on the page. It really doesn't. I'm being I'm being um, I'm trying to be a little facetious. Act two suffers a lot. Here's why you do not know your story. If you're if you're pe- when you sit down to write a script, if you sit down just to start on the script, that is, in my opinion, some people may do that, people who've done it forever, like Chris Nolan sits down and just starts. Jason Board, sits down and just starts. When you are beginning, you simply need to have a synopsis. You, me- you need to know who your protagonist is, what is stopping him or her from getting where they want to go. So you write two, three, four, five, six, ten 10 paragraphs of the story itself. The reason you do that is because it's going to lead you to the antecedent as to what your movie is going to be like. It gives you a wonderful... It gives you bones for an actual story. So, if you know between, let's say, 35, 40 minutes in and 65, 70 minutes in, you're going to need oxygen. You don't know the lead character. I have um, a friend who's struggling with this right now. She's like, I don't know what to do with the script. I don't know what I'm doing. I said, stop writing the script and first tell your story. You can always put it in a script format. That's the easy part. Why? Final draft, movie magic, take your pick. They're all terrific. I mean, when you get right down to it, it's not as hard as it used to be because you remember in the olden days, Michael, when they used to stick carbon in there and they had to type it up and it was courier and they used this racer and it was just a drag and then the, the the, the D girls had to make copies. So we really have a distinct advantage. Plus, we have access to Google and Wikipedia. We have all these wonderful ways to find ways to give our characters bad breath, good muscles, great teeth, bad hair. You name it, we can do it. We can make it real and rich. What I'm seeing in Second Acts is this, no action talking heads. I I have gotten scripts this month from so many people that I, I answered more pitches, as I do, by the way. When the year winds down, I do most of my reading, as you know, because there's not much going on anywhere really in the world. People are celebrating. So I do a lot of reading and I do a lot of outreach and people reach back. Oh, my Lord, the crap. Uh, I, uh, uh, novels posing as scripts, misspellings, talking heads, you name it. Just noise, 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 noise on the page. So if you find that you're writing a story and, and, you, and you want to do a script and, you're, and you haven't done the story first, I beg you, stop. Shoot me an email. I'll guide you through the process of talking off the ledge. Don't do the script until you write the story down. So that is my um momentum suggestion for 2013. Your act two will love you for it. The main, look it, I'm telling you, I go to page 10, page 12, page 25, page 55. I want to see what's going on. I just got a script from Robert Powers. He's doing an adaptation, which brings me to Sid Field, which I'll get to in a moment. His adaptation, first draft, couldn't believe it. It was so good, I I actually was surprised. Now, in coverage, he got a pass, but the coverage he got was so good. And for me, he got a two thumbs up. The notes and coverage lent support to what I was thinking, and I, I, I reiterated to him we agreed where he was going to fix it. But even though they gave it a pass, I gave it a resounding consider, 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 because I know the source material. The person who was doing the coverage did not. So for me to see this wonderful effort that Robert Powers was able to get on the page, unbelievable. Yeah, it needs a little, it needs a little juge. But that said, good job, Robert Powers. Which brings me to Sidfield Field and adaptations. I was uh, asked to look at a short story that was going to be adapted to a screenplay. The screenplay was terrible. It was It was the, the person who handed me the screenplay said to me, why don't you give me some notes? And I said, here are my notes. Um, you're asking me to tell you about this screenplay? It, it's like asking me to give a Band-Aid to a fatal car accident victim. There's nothing we can do with this. You, you're doing a page one, re- one rewrite. Whether you like it or not, that's where you sit right now, this day, two-day period. Well, the guy's an award-winning short story. I don't care. You ask me my opinion. And there it is, darling. And I'm gobsmacked that I've got to even tell you this. I really don't want to. It's not it doesn't make me feel good to tell you something's bad, because if I see something great, guess what I'm going to want to do? Everybody together. I'm going to want to sell it. So as it happened. I did a dance with this guy, the manager of the of the writer, and um, he said, well, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I've got a couple of weeks. I'm going to do a page one rewrite polish for you. i going to give you a skeleton draft. I don't know how to write a screenplay, but I think I know what this thing needs. And I just did it on a lark. Now, you all know I'm not a screenwriter, but you all know I get hired to do polishes, coverage, etc. not for clients because I can't charge them, but for the world in general. I usually charge between three and $500 for a polished page one. And I get it. But it doesn't mean it's going to sell. It just means that it's going to be marketable, or at least it's going to be not as rickety as when it came to me. You know what I mean? So I send this back to the manager and his writer, who's the award-winning uh, short story writer, and I said, and I may add Robert Powers on here just to do a polish because he's a Navy guy and he gets votes. I may want his two cents worth. And the manager calls me up, and he's furious. Here I am doing all this for free, and he's like, you know, I wanted you to teach my guy how to, how, what? I'm sorry. At no point in the conversation when, when I was setting this up with you, sir, Hollywood royalty, Did you say to me that I was to teach your client how to write a screenplay? That's not going to happen. I'm too expensive. My retainer is $3,000 a month to do that. Well, why are you getting other writers involved? You can't do that. I'm this guy's manager. I said, here's what I'll do. I'm going to step away from the computer, put my hands up, and I'm going to leave you to your own devices. I am going to buy popcorn when you sell this thing and I'm going to cheer you and your client on. I can't wait for you to sell this. I'm excited for you. I'm sorry I couldn't help. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. But I was pissed. Like I said, I do have a grain, a tiny bit of dignity. Uh, Most people will steamroller over me because I'm just polite and and people like me and I'm kind. Now, I don't need them to like me, but I'm kind. But don't mistake my kindness for a weakness because that's trouble right here right now that's trouble i was very polite to this person and then i kind of lost and i said okay i think i'm done here what's the moral of this story sid field adaptations read what he says about it in his book you know his book that michael will find it for you the, i think it's the first the godfather of screenplay writing it's the first book screenplays or something um sid field nails it you don't have to learn anything about anything else with adaptations. All you need to do is get his book about screenplay about screenplays and go to the adaptation section. Um here's the sad part, let me tell you about the fallout. The manager doesn't know this. Nobody knows who I'm talking about except me and maybe three or three or four other people cuz we're we're not big on bad gossip and I really like the manager very much. He's a very smart man. This guy is powerful. He's got his fingers in everything. Uh, it was a very risky thing I did to tell him to kind of, you know, goodbye and good luck and I meant it but I wasn't happy with him and I deserved better from him he I I will tell you this folks he wasn't very nice and uh, that was a challenge but that said here's the sad part and this he does not know as I was bringing his client through this process I got an email from his client two days before I got into this argument with this manager and his client wrote me the nicest email saying, "Oh my god, this is so much fun. I I could see where this is going. I've got some ideas now." This what I allowed him to do was I gave him permission to get away from the short story, to get away from the novel because the integrity of the piece was protected. All he needed was permission. And then the rest, well, then that's work. And I have an act for dialogue, and he didn't. So I explained to him, you need to learn how to listen to how people talk. So he said, oh, my, Barbara, this is so much fun, so much fun. Boom, blocked times two. Okay, so that's the great thing about email. You can just block just about everybody. goes right to the trash bin. Uh, high concept. I sent, I found this. I forget how I found it. I was poking around for the year-end show, and I didn't get to it on the last show. But I found um, this for you guys. It's really good. It's a good link. Uh, the seven qualities of a high concept idea. I'm going to tell you what they are real quick, but Michael will post the link. Read the article. High level of entertainment value is number one. High degree of originality is number two. High level of uniqueness different than original. Number three. Number four, it's highly visual. Think Avengers, right? That's such a great script. Uh, possesses a clear emotional focus, i.e. root emotion. Number six, targets a broad general or- audience or a large niche market, or some people say niche. Uh, number seven, sparks a what-if question, uh, except from the book Anatomy of a Premise Line, Seven Steps to a Foolproof Premise and Story Development, publication 2013, yada, yada, yada. Michael will hook you up. Uh, read the article. it's really It will really refresh you. Uh, and I think you will get a lot out of it. A lot of folks say to me, what is high concept? Hell if I know. I, I just know it when I see it. Okay. So act two, we talked about talking heads, subtext, no symbols. You got to get those going. What, what What am I talking about? Subtext. You got to get subtext. Got to get symbols. Got to get running gigs. Got to get emotion on the page. How do you do that? Well, you listen to what other people say on film. You watch what they do. I mean, look at a movie like Signs. Okay. Swing away. Hello. Foreshadow. Right. Perfect. The water foreshadow. OK, when I first saw this movie, it was a yawn for me. Uh, I think that was my fault because I might have been very distracted when I wrote, saw it the first time and I saw it on television. I saw it again on cable and I am pleased to tell you I was so wrong about my first opinion of signs. Now, obviously, it was acted well. There's so No question about that. Shot beautifully. M. Night. Guys, the guy needs to talk to me because I have his next hit. M. Knight, if you're listening, if anybody knows M. Knight, who knows M. Knight's maid, who knows his mechanic, um, I can call his office and I can leave a message. They're very nice to me, but unless I bring a package in, they don't want to talk to me. M. Knight, big mistake. You want to read this script. You want to make an exception to your rule. Trust me, you do. M. Knight, give me a call. Um, so I watched signs again with my husband and we, and we both agreed that I was wrong. And it was, okay, so swing away. The entire time he's being called father, he's not a father anymore. He's so mad at God, he can't see the forest for the trees. Look at the subtext. Look at his body language when he was mad. Okay, look at look at how he conducted himself at the dinner table with his children. I mean, all of that stuff was on a page first. Now, while it's true that things like you know, I was my husband and I were watching this thing about bios, celebrity bios, and Julia Roberts was sort of in a sad way when they were shooting Pretty Woman. Something happened to her emotionally in her personal life. And um, the director said, listen, we got to judge her. So um, Richard Gere, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do something a little different. And that led to the golden moment, the extraordinary screen moment, unscripted, captured in one take and put in the can for all eternity of when he <claps> flaps the uh, jewelry box shut on her fingers and she recoils and laughs that famous laugh with that beautiful grin and those wonderful teeth. Um, That was not on the the page, obviously. But when you allow your characters to become developed to such a point where they actually know who they are, once the camera is rolling, then gold happens. Things like that. Just it becomes organic. It just got, wow, that was, Oh, the director tell me you got that take, Mr. Marshall. We certainly did. We did. Um, Roger's Descriptive Word Finder, I've been getting reacquainted with it. Get that book if you don't have it. It's terrific. Another word that we're going to talk about today is chronophobia. I made it up. An emotional overreaction to a hypersensitivity of the passing of time. Heightened time awareness produces anxiety, inertia, rage, poor cooking skills, and an inability to mow the lawn in any decent way. I came up with chronophobia because I recognized it in one of my clients, Greg. You all know this. We talked about this before, so he's not going to be mad at me this week. (laughs) That's a private story. Um, So, yeah, I'm very cognizant of time. I feel like it's slipping away. That's because I'm in the back nine of my life. I'm over 50. And when you get over 50, you start to freak out because you're like, where'd the time go? When you're a kid, you're like, oh, God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And and after 50, you're like, slow down. So um, I do have, I'm very aware of time, which brings me to why I'm probably one of the better agents out there. I work a lot. I don't bust my ass for for very little reward i bust my ass for a reward but um i use my time well and in some instances i'm actually lazy smart so if what does that mean well don't keep banging on the same door if the people aren't listening to you take two steps to the right and try another door i do that a lot with very different public with very different I used to uh, publishers but i do it with very different producers around the world and i don't put my tent in any one place and i think that gives our agency a distinct advantage. Plus, I'm an agent to the world vis-a-vis Simply Scripts. I mean, anybody who listens to this show ever has an agent, period. Pitch me. If the script is marketable, I'm going to take it out. That's it. Not complicated. Look at Ryan Lee. Okay, Ryan Lee is a writer. He just, he writes, he, he, he knows what he's doing. Is he sold yet? No. Is he going to be sold? Who the hell knows? Doesn't take anything away from the fact that you cannot deny that this guy gets it on the page. And he gets it. He gets craft. And don't forget to visit places like, um, Story and Trigger Street, The Blacklist, of course, Amazon Studios. Get to know that. If anybody wants to give me a book report on Amazon Studios, I'll take it for the site. That would be awesome. I'll leave you with this, uh, The Comedy of Opposite, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock moments. They're huge. They're important. They're critical in your script, page 1 and page 90, 110, wherever you end up, wherever you land. Joss Whedon does, um, Sunny, Sunnydale. He has this wonderful sunny town with a sunny name. And it's a demon magnet. That's the twelve o'clock, six o'clock moment. He has a female finding herself twelve o'clock moment. Her subtext: she can't find, you know, she couldn't find her. As both hands, really. And the subtext is she is becoming a superhero of legendary proportion. Listen to how they talk. Um, they you hear who they are with the yes, hello, how are you? I'm fine. And they're serious backpedaling inside their conversations. I.e., things like Cordelia. She'll actually say to Buffy. What is your, you know, spank your inner moppet? You know, what, what is your childhood trauma? And then she'll talk about lipstick in about eight seconds. Your 12 o'clock, six o'clock moments offer real opportunities. They equal surprise. I mean, what if your main character is a jock, but he loves ballet? Well, look at how, look at the, look at the common denominator there. Twist that a little bit. Get some water out of that rag. The jock who loves ballet. Look how athletic those, ba- those, those, uh, ballet dancers are. I mean, it's extraordinary. In short, what I tell Dina, with all this love in my heart for her that I can manage, you have to think, and you got to slow down. I talk fast because I got to get a lot of information in the show in a short amount of time. Can't speak for an hour, you guys would be yawning, and you could stop the tape and play it any time you want and get uh, what you need out of it. Hopefully, there's something must be because look at Ryan Lee, look at Dina, look at Pia. I mean, I read Arturo Motors. I couldn't believe it, and I can't stand that stuff. And she had me hooked from, I think, page two. I do want to give you one more quote by a guy named Ted Newsom. And I don't know if I actually can find the quote. I'm going to take a quick look and see if I can find it on my Gmail. Uh, he, I, I happen to be very lucky and meet a guy named Ted Newsom. You can look him up on IMDb Pro. This is a guy you all know what a Harryhausen fan I am this is a guy who really has it together. And there's nothing he hasn't seen. There's nothing he hasn't done. And he asked him for a quote for the show. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. This is from Ted Newsome. Um, and if you wanted to email him, he probably would answer your questions. Or I mean, the guy's just a doll. What a resume, too. Extraordinary. Really extraordinary. I'm going to be repping him on one script, a Sinbad script. I'm going to go wide with it as soon as possible. I just pitched it to a company. You guys might have seen that lead on InkTip. I pitched uh that company and they requested the script. I hope to God we sell it, $20 million budget. That would make my day. I buy cupcakes for the entire Simply Script community and I go and visit Michael and give him the biggest friggin' hug he's ever gotten from a chick in his life. And you'll like it too, Michael. I give him the best hugs. I I'll have enough spillover for Chris. Um Ted Newsom, a doll, he says this. I ask for a quote. He says, If I'd looked at a career in movies logically, I never would have bothered with it. The odds are totally against you. Everyone will tell you that. There's plenty of writers better or more desperate. There's plenty of directors more driving or better connected. There's a boatload of performers who are prettier or bulkier or more willing. So logically, why bother? He goes on to say, But it's an industry made on dreams, conjured from nothing more than a notion, a passing thought, a joke, maybe something we heard, a fairy tale that we have to remember. We create something from nothing. There's no logic involved, just magic and hard work. That translate to everything is possible. This is Babs for Babs Buzz, reminding you that you are important, You are valuable. You are a treasure. You are together. You're damaged. You're smart. You're not. You step in gum. You slip and fall. You pick a lottery ticket and win $10. You're human. You're wonderful. You're God's gift to this world. And if you have something to say, then you better say it. And you better make sure I'm the agent writing the deal for you. Remember to write. Always remember to rewrite. And don't forget to live your life. Peace. That was splendid. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I especially love the end of it.